0: Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Book club, book club, we're in the book club, The Hobbit, The Hobbit. I'm A.J. Hogue, author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. And today, chapters eight. Uh, Let me stretch a little bit. Uh, uh, All right. Stretching. Adjust my camera. All right. We're all ready to go. Okay. (laughs) Chapters eight and nine of The Hobbit. Two exciting chapters. So we're really getting into the excitement now with The Hobbit and Bilbo. Uh, Real Bilbo becomes a hero. Bilbo finally becomes a true hero in these, uh, in these two chapters, chapters eight and nine. Many people have been asking me about uh, the VIP program and a lot of people are joining right now. Other Lots of people have had questions. If you have questions in the live stream and sending me emails and things. So, what I'll probably do is I'll just do, a, maybe I'll do a show focused only on the VIP program. And I'll just answer, I'll tell you, I'll give you like a whole overview, you know, a whole detailed description of the VIP program. What you get when you join, when you commit. And, uh, you know, the benefits, of course. And then answer your questions I'll just answer any and all questions about the VIP program. So I'll do that soon. Maybe next week I'll do that. And we'll just have a show dedicated to the VIP program because so many people are asking me about it and joining and new members. And anyway, we'll do all of that uh, sometime next week. And maybe people who are VIP members now uh, can also share their success stories. But for now, let's jump in with The Hobbit. The Hobbit chapters 8 and 9. So, as usual, I will first just review the story and give you some thoughts, my thoughts about it in the next two two chapters. Then I'll come and uh, look at your questions and comments. Right now, I'll start with questions and comments only from the supporting members, as I've been doing recently. And then I'll go to everybody. Cleaning my reading glasses here. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Okay. Chapter eight is called Flies and Spiders. So you'll remember they are entering into Merkwood, the dark, big, giant, dark forest. So they uh, the chapter begins. they enter into the forest. It's a little narrow path, right? So not wide, a narrow path. And as they go in uh, very quickly, uh, the forest becomes quite dark, right? So it's a very what we say dense, a dense, a dense forest, meaning the trees are close together, and they're quite tall. And then overhead, you know, the, the 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 trees are all kind of growing together, so blocking out the sunlight mostly. So it's quite dark, and and the air feels kind of heavy in there. So it's, this is not like a cheerful forest. <laughs> okay, it's kind of a, a dark forest. Uh, it has a lot of cobwebs, right? Little spider webs. And they can hear little sounds, but it's so kind of dark in there. They don't really see anything. They don't know what's moving around, but they they hear little noises as they're uh, going in. It's Bilbo and the dwarves. Remember, Gandalf left them. So now they're on their own. And then uh, on the first page, it says, it was not long before they grew to hate the forest. So they hated the forest because the, the forest, it's not, like I said, not a, not a cheerful forest. It's kind of dark and... Uh, uh, and depressing. And it says they had to go on and on and on, and they were sick for a sight of the sun in the sky. Meaning, they just went on and on and on for days and days and days. With they could not see the sky. They they could not see the sun. Right, a little bit of sunlight kind of got came down to the bottom of the forest, but no direct sunlight. And so they just go on and on and on day after day in this kind of dark forest and they get more and more and more sick of it and kind of depressed about it. This is nights were the worst. It was so dark they could they could almost see nothing at night because it was so 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 dark. And so it says Bilbo put his hand in front of his face at night and he couldn't even see his hand. So it was almost like being in a cave at night. But, however, when they were camping at night, sometimes they could see little eyes, right? Kind of out in the forest looking at them, right? Little, you know, yellow or red or green eyes would stare at them from a distance. And they couldn't have a fire. They thought, oh, maybe we'll make a campfire. That'll be nice, right? They can, uh, you know, get some light in there at night. But um, it said that they decided not, they, they... They tried it, but then after they didn't, they decided not to do it because when they did a fire, it said hundreds of these eyes would come and be watching them, and they could never see the bodies, so they don't know what kind of animals or creatures they were that were coming and watching them all at night. And then also, the other thing that happened is that these giant moths, right, you know, moths that come at night to, like, light, well, they were kind of these dark gray and black moths, some as big as your hand, would come, would be attracted to their um, campfire and say, well, there's just, just hundreds and hundreds of them would come and hit them in the face and get in their hair and, and also big bats. And so this, it was just kind of disgusting and they decided, okay, no more campfires. The campfires were terrible. And so then it just goes on and on like this, days followed days. Every day seemed the same just dark, and the problem is that they're food. They only have a certain amount of food. Remember Bjorn, the man, gave them some food, but, you know, day after day, walking in the woods, there's basically no food in there. They see a few black squirrels, and they try to eat one, and it tastes terrible and horrible, so they decide not to do it anymore. And also, they're running out of water, because Bjorn warned them, don't drink the water in the forest, right? It has kind of, the water has a kind of magical, um, don't get in the water and don't drink it because it has kind of a magical effect and it's not safe. So they're thirsty they're, they're, and they're getting worried because their food's getting less and less and less and their water's getting less and less. And then finally one day, they come to a stream, like a fairly wide stream. And I said, Bjorn warned them, don't get in the water. Don't get in the water and don't drink it. So, they're thinking, oh, well, this, this, maybe this, th- we, we, we can't swim across it because he said it's dangerous. So, they're like, oh, what do we do? And then Bilbo sees, Bilbo has good eyes. He's got the best eyesight of everybody. And even though it's quite dark in there, he sees there's like a little boat on the other side of the stream. And so, uh, one of the dwarves, he helps one of the dwarves gets like a, a rope with a hook. Like they've got a little hook and they, they throw it and they throw it and they throw it and they finally get the boat and they pull it over. And then, you know, kind of like in little small groups, they cross the river in this, in this, this the stream rather, in this little boat. However, something weird happens to them. It's, uh, when they get to the other side, suddenly this huge deer Comes charging at them, and maybe this is kind of like a magical animal guarding the the, the stream. Kind of the book kind of hints at that that maybe that's the case. So this giant and it just jumps into the middle of them, and and they kind of oh they kind of run away to get out of its way. It actually hits one of them, and uh, and then it jumps over the stream. And uh, Thorin he's quick and he has his bow ready and he he shoots it. But uh, it because dissip- he's thinking maybe they can eat it, but uh, he shoots it. But it gets across the stream, and then it and it keeps on going. And so they don't know if, does it if, if he, he he thinks he hit it, but they they're not sure if they can go get it. And the problem is that the bumber, the big fat, the fattest dwarf, he got hit by the uh, kind of by the, the deer. And he falls and he hits the boat and he falls into the little stream. And so they they lose the boat, so they can't cross back again. And Bomber falls in and they're worried he's gonna drown, so they have to they throw a rope to him and they, they manage to he manages to grab it and they pull him to the shore, but when he gets to the side, he falls asleep and then he ends up sleeping for like several days so this is why right this this uh, stream is kind of magical and it causes you to fall asleep which obviously is dangerous if you're trying to swim you could fall asleep and drown so that's why Bjorn warned them but they managed to get they managed to catch him but they don't have the boat so they can't go try to get the deer and eat food so they're still basically very very low on food then they hear some sounds in the distance they, they decide well what do we do now so they have to carry Bumper. <coughs> he's the fattest dwarf that sucks so they got to carry him which, so that's hard he's, he's completely asleep so this adds a lot of extra stress and difficulty to their travels their food is getting very very low they're almost completely out of food now and so they're having a hard time again. Once again, you know, it's another big challenge, another difficulty for the dwarves and for uh, Bilbo. They do, however, hear off in the distance what they—they they, sounds like they hear people who are maybe hunting. Like that, they, but they—they they never can see them. And Bjorn warned them, and Gandalf warned them: never leave the path. Never leave the path. Suddenly, uh, another deer appears—a white deer—and all the uh, dwarves, the, the other dwarves, they've got their bows out with bows and arrows, and they all start shooting at the deer because they're thinking, "Oh, we get, get a, here's another chance. If we can get this deer, we can eat. Right? We can eat the, one of the deer." Uh, but unfortunately, they uh, they miss, and they use all their last arrows. So they're, they all their arrows are gone and broken, and so now they have no, basically, no weapons now. Okay, then, uh, this is an uh, interesting little comment, and we'll get back to it again, but Tolkien says, um, if they had known more about it, if they considered the meaning of the hunt and the white deer, right, the hunt meaning they'd heard people hunting in the distance somewhere, but they don't know who they were. They would have known they were, at last, getting towards the eastern edge of the forest. So, he's saying if they had thought, if they'd not been emotional, right? If they hadn't been so emotional, so focused on being hungry and tired and depressed, they would have realized, oh, we must be getting towards the other side. We must be finally getting out because... uh, you know, these deer is appearing, all these deer are appearing, right? So they're, we're probably getting towards, you know, more towards the edge and obviously there are people around, there's some kind of people around. But they didn't really think about it. So he says, if they thought about it, then they would have had more courage and more hope and realized they were getting closer, but they don't think about it. They're just too focused on their emotions and being upset and hungry and tired and depressed. Okay, so they keep going, and then finally their food is, they go two more days, and their food, they're going, and they start going kind of downhill into a kind of a valley in the uh, forest. And their food is basically gone at this point. And so Thorin and all the dwarves, they're just, they're like, is there no end to this forest, right? They're just, it just seems endless, and they're really, really getting frustrated now, especially with the food gone. So they decide somebody must climb a tree. Someone has to climb a tree and go to the top and look around and see, you know, are we getting close to the edge? Are we getting near the end? And of course, somebody means Bilbo (laughs) because Bilbo's the smallest so he can get to the highest, you know, uh, for the tree. So Bilbo, he climbs, 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 climbs. And then he finally gets to the very top of a tree and, ah, you know, like suddenly it's bright sunlight. You know, he's at the top, ah, take... He has to wait a minute because it's so bright he can't see. And he's up there and there are all these like butterflies, these dark black butterflies all around him. But then as he finally can see, he looks around and all he sees are trees. So in other words, he sees no end to the forest. He sees no end to the trees and the leaves in any direction. And then again, this uh, token gives us another little message here about you know, being rational and thinking when you're in a bad situation. He says, if Bilbo had the sense to see it, if he had thought about it, he'd realize that the tree he had climbed was tall, but was near the bottom of a wide valley. So, it seemed like he was at the bottom of like a big bowl. So, there's no way he, he couldn't really see very far, actually, because he's down in this low valley. So, he climbs down and he's full of despair. And see, this is the message. You can see how he's getting... Tolkien has given this message a few times that the dwarves and now Bilbo, they have despair. Despair is like hopelessness, no hope. And uh, because they're not... Because they're so focused on their emotions, they're so focused on, you know, having no food, being in this forest for such a long time. It's so dark. They're depressed. And it seems like it's never-ending. So, they're missing... They're missing clues. They're actually missing uh, clues, hints, right? Signs, they're missing signs that, in fact, they're almost out. But they don't see these signs. They don't realize it, right? They're they're more, more wildlife appearing, like big wildlife, like deer. They usually live more at the edge of a forest, not in the center. But they don't think about that. They heard what they think were hunters off in the distance. Again, so this means there must be people around of some kind. So, probably, again, not in the center. And then Bilbo, when he's looking out, trying to see the end, he's actually, if he had noticed, he would realize he was at the bottom of a valley. So, in fact, there's no way he could see very far. But they don't think about any of these signs because they're so, they're too emotional and they're too, they're feeling too much despair. They're feeling too hopeless and too frustrated. So, they miss these important signs of hope. Oh, it says, then that last night they eat their, the last part of their food. So, their food's finished now that night. Bomber finally wakes up also. Okay, so then at, during that night, Balin sees some lights off in the distance. So they're, they're, they're hungry. They eat just a tiny little bit of food. It's all gone now. And they're, they're really, really hungry. They've been hungry for a while because they've been trying to save their food. So only eating tiny amounts. Um, and he says, I see, I see some light off in the forest. Like a little red light. And then they, then they see more lights. And they, they can see that they're torches. Right? So, you know, torches that people hold. Little fires that people hold. But kind- of, but the problem is the the lights, the torches are not on the path, they're off in the woods, off of the path, and we you can you can guess what's going to happen, right? We knew this because Bjorn said, Don't leave the path, Gandalf said, Don't leave the path, so we knew of course they're going to leave the path, and he, this is when they do it, so they remember the warnings of Gandalf and bjorn, but Again, they let their hunger and their emotions and their frustration uh, take control. And so, they decide to go after the lights, hoping they'll find some people that will give them food. So, they leave the path. And they kind of go up there and they're trying to go quietly. <coughs> Excuse me. I keep <coughs> swallowing water. I mean, breathing in some water. I'm drinking. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. And so they get there and there's kind of a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an open area in the forest and they see elves. Okay. These are wood elves and they're all in dressed in green and brown and they're eating and drinking and laughing and they're kind of having like a nice, nice uh, picnic, a nice dinner at night, having a great time. And so the dwarves are like, oh, oh, they're they're, and the dwarves and Bilbo, they're also hungry and desperate. And so they just, go oh, they all go running in there to to beg for food. Please help us! Please help us! And as soon as they run in, all the torches, all the fires go out, and everything is completely dark, and the elves disappear and then the dwarves oh they can't see anything and they're all they're all stumbling around and they're having to calling to each other hey where are you and it takes them a long time and they finally in the dark kind of they're, they're reaching around and they finally find each other and the problem is now they're totally lost so it's night it's super dark uh, and now they've you know been walking all over the place trying to find each other they finally find each other in the dark but now they they're totally lost then the lights appear again somewhere else in the distance so what do they do they jump up and they do the same foolish thing again they go deeper into the forest and exact same thing happens again they go in, and uh, they, they this time they try to go in and, and beg for food. And once again, uh, this you know they try to go one by one. This time, Thorin says, "Let's just go one by one." Bilbo go first because he Bilbo's not scary. <laughs> but same thing happens. As soon as Bilbo goes into the area with the elves, all the lights go out. The elves disappear. And once again, it's dark. And once again, they're all kind of stumbling around trying to find each other. And then they try it. And then they repeat it a third time. (laughs) So, they just keep doing the same thing. They don't learn at all, right? It's just they keep making the exact same mistake. So, once again, because they're desperate, they're not thinking. They're not thinking at all right? They're just reacting emotionally every time. So once again, they see the lights in the distance and you know, so by now, it should be obvious, right? The elves are not going to help them, but once again they go and they do exactly the same thing and the same thing happens again. But this time, they all lose each other. And uh, Bilbo gets totally lost. But And at the end, he hears like the dwarves yelling, but he, he thinks they're yelling for help. So not just yelling because they're lost, but that maybe something bad is happening. But it's totally dark, completely black in the forest. So, and this time, Bilbo loses all the dwarves completely. So foolish, foolish, foolish. And so Bilbo realizes he, there's nothing he can do until daytime because at night he can see nothing at all. So he just, uh, he sits down next to a tree and he kind of falls asleep. And then suddenly he kind of, he wakes up and he feels something touching him. Uh, it's like a strong, sticky string against his left hand. And he realizes his legs are tied up with this sticky string. And then, you know, it's getting near... It's getting kind of in the, in the morning and uh, he sees this giant spider, a giant spider trying to tie him up. And it comes at him to get him. And he, he, he kind of fights at it with his hands because it's trying to bite him and poison him. And then finally he remembers he has his sword. He, he pulls out his sword and, uh, and he sticks it in the, uh, in the eyes. And, uh, and then he kills, hits it again and kills it and then he frees himself he cuts it you know and then he's free so this is like really really his most his first truly like big fight heroic fight you know with Gollum he saves himself, but he mostly just does it by hiding. Right? He does the, the he think he wins the little riddle contest, but then he gets he gets lucky again with the ring, and uh, and then he manages to you know just to run away and escape. But this time he actually fights off this big monster, this giant spider, this monster spider, and and he kills it. And he does this all by himself without the ring, uh, without Gandalf, without the dwarves. <coughs> and then this is important, and if you're watching on video, I put it in blue. The killing of the giant spider all alone by himself in the dark without the help of the wizard or the dwarves or of anyone else made a great difference to Mr. Baggins. He felt like a different person, much fiercer and bolder in spite of an empty stomach. And then he gives his sword a name. He says, I give. I will give you a name. I shall call you Sting. So again, let's review that because this is very important. Killing the giant spider. So, he, you know, he faces this danger, this thing, monster that's trying to kill him. And by himself, without Gandalf, without the dwarves, with no one else to help him, not even the ring on this time... He kills the giant spider and this makes a great difference to him. He felt like a different person, right? So this moment changes him completely. This is the moment Bilbo truly becomes a hero is in this moment. You know, it's, he's been kind of getting closer, 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 but this is the moment because, again, and what does he do? He faces this terrible danger, this, this fight, this incredible challenge by himself, and he wins. He overcomes it with courage and, you know, being fierce, being strong. And by doing this, of course, like you say, it's, it makes a big difference to him. It's psychologically something changes in Bilbo, you know, forever now, right? He's no longer just the scared little hobbit anymore. And we're going to see that from this point, of course, he gets afraid sometimes still, but he's, he's just, he's not the kind of the, the, the weak, always scared hobbit like he, he was until now or mostly scared. From this point, we see that he he has uh, a lot more bravery, right? A lot more courage. So even later, in, as we go in the story, he has to face difficulties, but he he has much more confidence. You'll see in the next chapter, you know there there there's, there are a bunch of other difficulties he has to face, and later in this chapter, but that he he. You know, his whole mindset is different now. Instead of just being like a little rabbit and afraid, now he has courage, and now he's more decisive, and he takes action and makes decisions, and uh, and does what needs to be done without being terrified. Still afraid, but he's a very different person now. And so, you know, again, a great message here, I think, this is a classic message of the hero journey, is that at some point the hero, and indeed you and I and everyone in our our lives, we have to become, you know, self-reliant, right? We have to rely on ourselves and overcome some great difficulty. And that when we do that, when we do that, whatever it is, when we finally do that, without our parents there to save us, without someone else there to save us, with no one to save us, and we face it and we overcome it, it does, it indeed changes us. And this is the moment maybe when when we become adults, true adults. It's especially true for men. Okay. So, next, he realizes, well now, oh my God, there are these giant spiders around. And, you know, he thought he heard the dwarves yelling, right, for help earlier in the night. And he realizes, oh, I got to find the dwarves and maybe they're in danger. So he, he, he tries to remember the direction where the dwarves, where he heard their voices last. And, uh, and then he puts the ring on, right? Because he realizes, oh, there might be more spiders around. So I better put, put on the ring. And indeed, he does kind of find his way to uh, where the dwarves are. And it's this this area like with all these trees and webs and there are just hundreds of spiders, these giant spiders, hundreds of them. And they're all over, they're everywhere. And of course, luckily they don't, he has the ring so they don't see him. But then he notices hanging from some of the trees in the webs, these little um, Bundles like these little round things and they're the dwarves. He can see their feet sticking out or their noses sticking out and he realizes all the dwarves were captured. So the dwarves get captured again. They get captured a lot. And then he hears the spiders and he realizes the spiders are actually talking. He can actually understand them. They're talking. So again, these are giant spiders. They're intelligent and they're talking about uh, eating the dwarves. And so it's kind of like the trolls again. Now see, this is... I think this is also... Uh, on purpose, right? That this is like, almost like a mirror. This is a little bit like a mirror of the very first danger that Bilbo faced, right? And, but this time he overcomes it, right? So the first time, it's the trolls, right? That's the first kind of danger that happens to the group and to get to Bilbo, right? Gandalf kind of went off for a short time to, to scout, to look ahead and, uh, and once again, you know, they all the dwarves get captured. First Bilbo, and but then all the dwarves get captured, right? And uh, you know, Bilbo has kind of a maybe a chance to try to save them, but he can't, right? He can't, and he's just terrified, and he's and he he's, he's really unable to do anything. And so, the only reason they don't all die and get eaten by the trolls is Gandalf comes back and saves them, right? so now this time here we have a similar situation once again all the dwarves are captured once again Bilbo's kind of on his own and he has a chance to save them this time there is no Gandalf Gandalf is gone and far away and but Bilbo has changed and so this time as we see Bilbo has now really become a hero and Bilbo does indeed save them through his own decisions and his own actions without Gandalf right and it says bilbo saw the moment had come when he must do something so he's trying to think of what to do the spiders are go getting closer to the dwarves they're talking about eating the dwarves so he realizes i got to do something now so uh he picks up like a stone and it's you know then kind of tolkien says you know actually that bilbo really good at throwing stones you know so he he whoom he throws this big stone and it hits one of the spiders and right in the head and it falls down and it dies so he kills another spider and of course he's got the ring on so the spiders start running around they don't know what's happening all these rocks are coming so bilbo keeps throwing rocks and he's he's uh he kills a couple of them with uh with stones then he starts then he realizes well there's so many of them how how can i rescue the dwarves and he he has an idea he has a plan that he has to try to make try to get the spiders to to you know get away from that area right so he's going to try to to make them angry and make them chase him to somewhere else then he'll come back quietly to save the dwarves so he starts singing this song and like trying to make them angry and keeps throwing rocks at them and you know they hear his voice they can't see him but they hear his voice so they start following his voice so he, keep, he tries to get farther and farther away to lead them away from the dwarves and it says you know almost all the spiders leave and try to chase him because they're they're really angry They follow him into the forest and then when he gets kind of far away, then he stops singing, he stops yelling at them and he gets very, very quiet and remember Bilbo is very, very good at being quiet and he very, very quietly goes back to where the dwarves are and the spiders are still in the forest trying to find him. There's one big spider left that's guarding The dwarves, and uh, he takes out Sting his sword and he kills that one too. So now he's killed like three or four of them, right? He's he's become like very, very confident, um, very brave, true hero. Now he's facing the danger directly, he's making decisions, right? Okay, so then he starts cutting out, cutting the dwarves free, getting helping the dwarves get out, and uh. And then, but the spiders finally come back, right? They can't find him, so they come back. And he had taken off his ring to help the dwarves. And now the spiders see him, and they're like, ah, we're going to get you. We see you now. We're going to get you. It says, but his little sword was something new in the way of stings. And uh, he he killed half a dozen. And uh, half a dozen more spiders, so six more. And uh, Bomber's down there, and a bunch of the spiders are trying to get him and he ju- and he, he, he kind of jumps down or falls down there, and then he kills a bunch more of them to save Bomber to keep so the, the spiders can't get him. And then it says, Hung- hundreds, hundreds of angry spiders were all around. And it looked hopeless. So this looks like a hopeless battle now but then the dwarves are free, so the, some of them have knives, and the rest of them get sticks and rocks, and so they're all fighting, and Bilbo has his, you know, little sword, and, uh, and he's, he, and again, it says many more of them were killed by Bilbo, and but they're all getting tired. So once again, he he has to think of a plan, because he's, he's realizing, ah, if they just stand there and fight, there's too, there are too many spiders they're going to lose. And so, um, uh, he realizes, ah, I gotta, he says, like, I can't, I can't keep my secret anymore. I have to tell the, I'm going to have to show the dwarves about my magic ring. So he tells them I'm going to disappear and then I'm going to try to get the spiders to follow me again and you guys keep running and I'll, I'll come back and find you. So once again, he does it and the dwarves are a little shocked. Whoa, where'd he go? And he disappears, and again, he starts singing and and yelling stuff at the spiders and throwing rocks at them. And so, once again, the spiders go chasing after his voice, and the dwarves leave and manage to get away. Then uh, Bilbo kind of comes back again quietly. There's still a few more spiders, and he comes in, and he jumps in. And again, almost fearlessly at this point, and he kills a bunch more of them. And now the spiders are very afraid of his sword, right? They're, they've realized that this is—he's very dangerous, and uh, this, well, the spiders all kind of run away and, and leave, and that's the end. So he indeed he saves them all. He he saves them all in a very heroic way, very heroically. Okay, and of course then. Um, they all have the dwarves are first of all they're very grateful they're very 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 impressed right like wow bilbo wh- what happened right <laughs> they suddenly realized that before right they never really respected bilbo and now they respect him very much they just saw him kill all those spiders he rescued them they were all gonna die he saved them not gandalf no one else just bilbo and of course they ask him about the ring and he tells them the full story about Gollum again but this time he tells them about the ring and even they're even impressed by that and then he says they changed their opinion of Mr. Baggins very much and they had begun to have a great respect for him just as Gandalf said they would. They knew only too well they soon all would have been dead if not for the Hobbit, and they thanked him many times. They saw that Bilbo had some wits, some intelligence, as well as luck and a magic ring, and all three are very useful. In fact, they praised him so much that Bilbo began to feel there really was something of a bold adventurer about him. Ah, so see? Now, because the dwarves are praising him, oh, you're so great, wow, thanks so much, right? The dwarves now have a lot of respect for him. And uh, now Bilbo is starting, his identity is changing, right? It's not just, not just like psychologically, now his whole identity, he's starting to feel like a hero, an adventurer, Right? That he's not just some little scared hobbit. He's not just some little guy who likes to be comfortable all the time. He's an adventurer. Man, man, this is who he is now. Is starting to feel like a different person. Uh, and then suddenly they realize, oh no, where's Thorin? <laughs> and uh, uh, Thorin has disappeared. And it turns out the wood elves, the wood elves get him, right? So the night's coming and the wood elves capture him. and they, they're not the wood elves are not evil they're generally good but they don't like strangers they don't trust strangers and they don't trust dwarves and so they they capture him and it says the elf king even though he's not a bad you know he's not evil but he does like treasure he likes he likes gold and gems and silver and he wants more and he also they he doesn't trust dwarves and so Uh, They capture Thorin, and they're not going to do anything bad to him, but the elf king says, uh, you know, wants to know, why are you here? Why are you in my forest? You you tried to, you came in, we were eating in the forest, and you jumped in and surprised us three times, and you caused all this problem with the spiders. You know, what are you doing here? And Thorin doesn't want to tell him about the treasure, because he's afraid that the elf king will want some of it. So he says, uh, Thorn says, oh, we're just hungry. And so, the, the elf king says, well, why are you in the forest? Why are you, what are you doing here? This is my kingdom. And Thorn won't tell him. And so, uh, the elf king says, okay, fine. We're going to put you in, in prison until you tell me. So, we're not going to do anything bad to you. We'll give you food. You'll be, you'll be okay. You'll be comfortable. But you're going to be in my prison until you tell me why you're here. And Thorn's stubborn and he says, no. So they put him in. They put him in the dungeon. They put him the the elf king. They kind of live in these caves uh, in the forest. Okay, so next chapter, chapter nine, and here we'll see Bilbo will save them again. <laughs> um, they all get captured. So next chapter, the wood elves find them because they're lost, right? So the wood elves jump out and capture all of the dwarves all the rest of the dwarves Uh, but not Bilbo because he puts his ring on again so they don't see Bilbo when they pop out he puts his ring on very fast and they they don't get him so they take them to the 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 kind of the the caves the the kind of the magical under this kind of cave area under this big hill in the forest where the uh, elves live and the elf king lives okay and so then once again the elf king wants to know what are you doing he, so he asks the same question to the dwarves the rest of the dwarves what are you doing he says it's a crime to wander in my kingdom without my permission what are you doing here and of course they all are s- kind of smart and they all k- won't say they all say oh. they just stay silent they won't tell him so again he says well I will put you all in my prison until you tell me So they all get put into different rooms locked up. So poor Bilbo, he, of course, he's got the ring on so he follows them and he gets inside the Elf King's, um, you know, underground caves, you know, it's kind of his castle underground. But uh, the doors are magical so he can't really get out for a while. So he just kind of wanders around, you know, for several days. I think he says it's like one to two weeks it's like a, yeah, it's a week or two, where sometimes he'll he kind of sneaks out. He can go outside, like if some of the elves leave, he'll follow them, but you know, he's afraid to go too far. So most of the time, he just stays inside. We uh, and he keeps the ring on the whole time, so he's invisible, so nobody can see him. So he just kind of wanders around, but um, you know he can't he can't do anything. He steals some food when he needs to because he's hungry, um, and he kind of gets to know like how to get around the. <clears throat> the, the underground castle and then little by little he figures out where all the dwarves are so he, he, he figures out where each of the dwarves you know where they're being locked up he finds all 12 of them in different places and of course he says I wish I was back in my hobbit hole you know uh, his usual thing where he dreams about being back in any time when things are really bad he, he dreams about being back home but it says, he soo- Tolkien says, he soon realized that if anything was to be done, it would have to be done by Mr. Baggins, alone and unaided. So, again, a repeat of the last chapter, meaning he once again realizes that all the dwarves are captured. Gandalf's not here. I'm the only one who's free because c- of my ring. And... So, if we're going to escape, I have to do it. I have to figure out a plan. I have to make a plan. I have to rescue them. He doesn't know what, how to do it, but he realizes that he has to do it. There's no one else. that. Uh, once again, alone, he has to save them, right? And so, now he's starting to think like a hero. He's thinking of his duty. Instead of just focusing on, oh, I hope someone saves us, he realizes, no, now I have to do it. I'm the one, again. So, first he finds out where the, all the dwarves are. and he finds Thorin and Thorin tells them don't tell the elf king anything don't tell him about the treasure right because they're afraid the elf king will say "Uh, oh I'll let you go but you have to give me some of the treasure and then it says um they all trusted Bilbo so now Thorin of course Thorin realizes too that wow Bilbo Bilbo comes and talks to him secretly and says okay I'm gonna help get you guys out and uh, Thorin's very impressed and uh, so he gets Thorin's respect also and it says they all trusted Bilbo just what Gandalf said would happen and then this is an interesting phrase the next sentence perhaps that was part of his reason for going off and leaving them hmm like I said last week right perhaps so Gandalf perhaps that was part of the reason for going off and leaving them in other words why did Gandalf leave maybe part of the reason was so that Bilbo could become a hero so that because he he felt Bilbo was ready now right and that it was time for Bilbo to earn the dwarves respect it was time for Bilbo to go out on his own without relying always on Gandalf Right, and you probably realized this after Bilbo escaped the goblins and, and Gollum. So you know this is again uh, kind of a key thing you're going to see in this hero journey, the hero story. You'll see this again and again. It, there comes a point where the hero must go on their own, and a good, the good mentor, the good uh, wise man, right, the good teacher, at some point will leave or will push the hero and force the hero to, to do this, right? Because the wise man, the teacher, realizes that, yeah, at some point, the hero to rise, he has to do it himself, right? So, he can't always be there. And this is a, you know, this is something, of course, that all parents know. So, it's kind of, again, something we see in our own normal life, right? That we all know this as parents, that there's a point where, Right? You can't be around your kids and trying to, to make all their decisions and save them all the time. Of course, when they're little, you do, right? But eventually, there comes a point where they have to go out on their own and, and succeed on their own without you trying to, without you there to save them, right? And, you know, all good coaches know this, that when the game comes, when the game time comes, the coach is on the side, he can't play the game, Right? So he knows there's a time when the when the when the players must become the heroes, right? So it's the same thing you're going to see again and again. The great coaches, the great teachers, the great mentors. Eventually, you know, they're, at some point they realize, ah, now it's time. Now it's time for them to go on their own. Now it's time for me to leave or for me to stop helping them. And so we see that, you know, Bilbo kind of realizes that. Maybe that's one of the reasons Gandalf had to leave. Okay, so finally Bilbo, um, he says he did not like being depended on by everyone. So this is something totally new for Bilbo. All the dwarves, he talks to them all, right? Because he can secretly talk to them with his ring because no the elves can't see him. So he visits them and he tells them, I'm going to get you out somehow. And now they're all relying on him. They're all depending on him, right? He is now in a leadership position now right they're all captured so now they're all looking to him they're all looking to Bilbo to find a solution they're all expecting Bilbo to decide what to do they're right Thorin none of them are telling him what to do they're all waiting they want Bilbo to tell them Bilbo is now the leader in this situation he's not going to be the leader of the whole group forever but in this situation now he has to he's become the leader and they all are looking to him to make the decisions and to decide. And, you know, he's uncomfortable with this in the beginning, which is, you know, all most heroes are. You know, they're used to being uh, just following, and suddenly when you have to be a leader the first time, yeah, it's uncomfortable. So Bilbo is like, ah, what do I do? I want to do it. It's really, he's kind of stressed out, <laughs> trying to think of a plan, and then finally he thinks of a plan. He finds out there's a stream, kind of like a, a small river that goes underneath the castle in the caves and that uh, they use this that this goes out and he hears the elves talking so he kind of knows what's going on because he's spying around trying to figure out everything and he realizes that they use these they bring uh, wine and food they buy wine and food from uh, somewhere else you know outside of the forest from men and other places other kingdoms and they bring it to the, uh, into their kingdom, to their castle, the, the caves, and then when they're finished, when the barrels are empty, what they do is they, they drop them into the river, and then they float down to the river, and, the, and then they take them back to the town, the, the town for the men, and then they fill them up again, and right, and so this is kind of their system for transporting uh, all the stuff they're buying. Uh, and oh so it goes to the lake there's a big lake that that's there's a town at the lake and that's where they that's where they are buying a lot of their stuff so Bilbo gets an idea and he sees like ah well maybe what we can do is we'll hide I'll, the dwarves can hide in the barrels right the empty barrels it's just a big wood container right where they keep wine or something and and then we'll close them up in there and then they'll drop them in the river and uh, thinking they're empty and then they'll go down the river and then we'll that's how we're gonna escape So this is his plan. The desperate plan. Okay, so then he has to wait until a good time to do it and finally there's like a big party, a big uh, meal, a big feast. And uh, the guards get drunk. And so uh, when they get drunk, Bilbo sneaks in and he takes the keys from the guard and one by one he unlocks all the dwarves uh, doors, and he gets them all together, and then he he takes them, uh, and he's going to take them, you know, to help him escape. And then again, we see that Thorin, Thorin's the hardest one, right? Thorin has kind of not respected him bef- until now. Before Thorin always thought he was kind of useless and weak, and right, Thorin was usually the one complaining to Gandalf, why why are we bringing this guy, Bilbo? He's useless. But it says um, when Thorin when when he frees Thorin. Thorin says Gandalf spoke true as usual a fine burglar you are when the when the time comes I'm sure we are all forever at your service whatever happens after this okay so he he has gotten the respect of Thorin because of this he says wow you really are a good burglar a good thief right um, when he's like I didn't you know he, he, he says Gandalf was right about you actually. And now we all owe you because you've saved us. Again. So, he tells them the plan, and they don't like the plan, <laughs> right? They don't like the plan at all. They don't like the idea of being put into these wooden barrels, like, you know, round boxes is basically what they are, and then being dropped into water, right? They're like, oh, it's going to be terrible. What if the water gets in? You know, we're going to be bouncing around. Oh, this is a terrible plan. But Bilbo, again, you know, being more confident and strong, Bilbo says, well, this is the plan. He says, if you have a better plan, tell me, Right? now's the time because this is our only chance. Probably I can never get these keys again. So, you do my plan or go back to the prison. Right? So, he's getting stronger with them. Right? He's he's confident now. And so, they realize, well, yep, Bilbo's right. We got to follow Bilbo's plan. And so, they do. And finally, he puts all of them into the barrels and he closes up the barrels, all 12 of the barrels. And uh, then, you know, he puts them there and, you know, he knows the plan is, you know, the elves are eventually are going to come and drop the barrels into the, uh, they do it every night. They drop the barrels into the uh, uh, the river so they can float back to the lake. And, uh, you finally hears some of them coming to do it. He puts on his ring again and, you know, one by one, they, they take the barrels with the dwarves inside and also their other barrels and they roll them in. And, uh, and of course like some of the barrels feel kind of heavier than normal, right? They're not because they're not empty. They're they have dwarves inside them. And the, the, the elves are kind of confused, but luckily there's a party happening and they've all been drinking, so they don't think about it too much. So they don't they don't open them back up again. They just throw them in. They want to go back to the party. So they throw them all in. But then the problem is Bilbo suddenly realizes, oh my god, wait, what am I gonna do? I I I'm not inside a barrel. How do I get out of here? <laughs> and so he just he just runs and he jumps on top of a barrel as it's as they're throwing it out. And he just goes Push! into the water and he's holding on, but it, it gets on top of him. So he's under the water, he gets wet, it's really cold, and he's just he's holding on and he's trying to keep his head above the water. And and, and they're going down the river and banging into the other ones. And so he has Bilbo has a terrible, terrible, terrible time, but he survives he keeps his head above the water but he's freezing cold and then finally he manages to get up on top of the barrel one of the barrels and kind of ride it on top but you know he's he's completely wet He's it's very 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 cold so he rides along and all the you know he's on top of course he's invisible right but um all the, all the barrels go down the river and then they join the big main river and they keep going and then finally all the barrels come to an area where they all, uh, where the river turns, it gets wide and all the barrels kind of come up onto the land and there are some elves there and they grab the barrels and they put them on land and they tie them all together. And Bilbo gets, uh, when they're doing this, Bilbo gets off the barrel and he gets, he climbs onto the shore, onto the land. And, uh, uh night night's coming so they're just going to he realizes they the elves are just going to leave the uh barrels there on the shore for the night tied up so the poor dwarves have to spend the night inside the barrels all night long <laughs> and uh bilbo he's all he's wet so he goes into the camp and he uh he steals some food um but Uh, let's see what else yeah but he's really miserable and cold and he finally goes and falls asleep then the next morning finally the next morning uh, they the I'm not sure if it's elves or men let's see yeah elves Um, they finally they got all the barrels they're all tied together right so the next morning they push them all into the river again to send them down to the lake and uh, Bilbo of course again he's got the ring on and he jumps on as he jumps on to the all the barrels that are tied together and that's the end of the chapter and they have escaped the dungeons of the king and we will find out how well they're doing in the next chapter alright let's get into our comments and questions I think I've explained kind of my ideas already about, you know, some of the meaning and the messages in this. I think the the main thing is that we see that Bilbo becomes a hero and to do this, he has to do it himself. No one else can do it for him. I think that's the key message that, that he must rise up and directly face the danger that's number one. Number two, the other thing that we'll see, you know, that's the key to being a hero, as opposed, you know, not just confident, not just an adult, but being a hero, is that he's doing all this for other people. He's saving other people, right? So, he's, he's thinking beyond himself, right? He could have just run away to save himself, but he, he didn't. He faced great, great, great danger with the spiders to save his friends, the dwarves. And then he, you know, I don't know how, he, he also, again, he, he has to figure out this plan to save them from the uh, the elves as well. So he's doing this uh, not just for himself, but for others as well. But he has to face the danger alone both times. And he succeeds. And he, his confidence grows tremendously because of this. All right, let's get. Uh, let me get to the comments now from our uh, our supporting members, and then we'll get. And uh, I'll open it up. Yeah, like Vladislav says, uh, some of the lights, you know, like the donkey and the carrot. Right, they just keep chasing it, and it always gets farther away. <laughs> Non-native speaker says every one of us has to kill his or her giant spiders to achieve something in life. Indeed. I mean, that is clearly the metaphor, the message for you and I. It's, it's not, doesn't mean we have to kill some monster. It's, but you know, it's, it's, if we look at it psychologically, it means we have to face some monster, right? Some fear, some great difficulty and we have to do it on our own, right? Without anyone there to help us. And this is important. It's an important point in life. In order, uh, Lisa says, in order to save ourselves or others, we often do not need external help because we have the most wonderful power within us. We just have to overcome our doubts. Yeah, right. And that's kind of what, what this that's about, right? That this final step to be the hero is that Bilbo must... F- rely on something inside him not on Gandalf right not on somebody or something on the outside even like in the first when he kills that first spider not even relying on the ring right so he really must rely on himself and find that strength and courage inside him himself and do what needs to be done and he does it And then a non-native speaker is also correct, and we see this. Once you've overcome a huge challenge, it gets easier to deal with the others. And that's something else we see in these two chapters, right? You can see that, uh, okay, like the first spider, that's a really big thing, right? And then he kills another one. And then then by the the end of the spider fight, I mean, he's killing like lots and lots and lots of them. He's fighting lots of them. He has no time to be afraid because it's this big battle and then goes into the next chapter and then he, he doesn't really, he doesn't hesitate. He, he, he's not even afraid when he's, fa- when he's dealing with the, uh, the elves, right? So, you know, he's a little frustrated, but he's not afraid. So, you can see that, right, that, that as he overcomes the one challenge, that each challenge after, it's not that the challenges are not necessarily easier, but his confidence is higher. You can see his confidence grows and grows and grows and grows after each challenge that he overcomes and that, you know, by the end of the the chapter nine, he's quite confident now. Like I said, you know, you can see his identity and who he, how he thinks of himself has changed quite a bit. Uh, let's see, I like the idea that Bilbo cares about others. Yeah, right. Well, he's doing all this like, to save his friends again and again. He says, "We don't have to do." huge deeds to be heroes many times a hug a smile good work right but it, but in, in the context of a hero it really is about facing some kind of overcoming a challenge or especially a fear and Lisa says usually the worst decision is what we make out of fear indeed and that's another message we saw like with the doors right that the fear or despair giving up hope That's a good one for right now, too, is that when you, uh, when people focus too much on the bad and how difficult everything is and on hopelessness, they miss all the signs that actually things might be getting better. They miss all the opportunities, right? Because they're too focused on being hopeless. Nice message there, too. Right, Bilbo proved to us, Vladislav says, we are stronger than we think. Indeed. Yeah, like in Brave New World, Vladislav says the people had to overcome some difficulty to become mature, similar way it happened to Bilbo. Yeah, and and traditionally, especially for men, this is especially a thing for men, um, to become a man, right? To be seen as a man in most cultures, traditionally, there was some kind of ritual or ceremony, right? A manhood ceremony. And it involved overcoming, it, it was some kind of difficult you know, ordeal, some kind of uh, difficult task that the boy had to do in order to become a man, right? It wasn't just, oh, you're now you're 12, or now you're 15, so you're a man, not automatically. No, they had to overcome something. They had to do something tough, difficult. Then they became a man. Okay, let's get it. I'm going to open it up real quick to comments and questions from everybody. Okay, Ladisov says, Do you think the army in the USA should be compulsory, mandatory for men or not? Hell no. No, no, no. But the American army does not serve America. The American army serves Israel and the oil companies and the banks. So, no. Should we be forced to be mercenaries uh, for all of them? No. Definitely not. Payam says, uh, I'd be thankful if we could do a show about how to overcome hopelessness due to physical incurable pain. Well, I'll have to think about that. I've never do- dealt with that myself, so um, think about it. Send me more details on Gab about that. Kaloosa, what is a hobbit? Uh. You're a little late to the book club if you're not sure what a hobbit is. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's like a little short guy. He's like uh, half the size of a normal human. Yeah, like Ilanikon says, there is no clear vision without a calm mind. Indeed, that's a, a very clear message uh, that we got, like when they're in the forest and the dwarves are just racing ahead, chasing the lights and making bad decisions and bad decisions and getting hopeless and they leave the path and they, they, they don't even realize, they're getting some signs that actually they're getting close to the end, things are getting better or, or soon will be better, but they miss all of that because they're just too emotional about all the problems and the difficulties and feeling hopeless you know that's a good message for right now for a lot of people right people focus too much on the the bad things and they miss a lot of signs that there's some very good things happening too okay <laughs> okay, Jamila says, um, when there's only one who can save the world or a family or something, the most important... It's most important for the one, the... Mu- the let's see, inside the mind of fear. Yeah, that the one must uh, do it, even if she, he or she is afraid. Uh, right, exactly. And you have to push to overcome it. Exactly. This is, the, this is kind of... Um, it's kind of the idea of a heroic duty, you know, heroic duty, that sometimes, and it, sometimes it might be you, that there's a situation where only you, or maybe only you and your husband or wife, um, can solve the problem or save the situation, and there's, there's just no one else. There's no one else you can rely on. Maybe you start your own business, right? And uh, there's some big problem with the business, uh, and there's no one else who can save it. Only you you have to figure it out somehow, right? And, you know, this can be many, we can imagine many different situations in life. But, yeah, this is true, that sometimes the situation requires you and sometimes there's no one else, no one else there to to help. There's no one you can rely on, like Bilbo. And when that happens, you just have to do your best and move forward and make decisions and... uh, and you will succeed, hopefully. it's a good message because sometimes people stop and like, oh, I need help. But eventually, there's a point where you, no one's going to help you and you just got to do it. Even if you're not sure what to do. Bilbo's not totally sure. Like with the elves, he's not totally sure what to do, but he just does his best, makes a plan, and, he, and it works. Yeah, again, like um, Ilana Khan says, uh, all leaders like average people, have doubts, moments of despair, weakness, but the real leader can suppress the doubts and choose the right path and deeds. Indeed. Indeed. And leaders, you know, really good leaders, but even just, like, average people who have to be leaders. Like, Bilbo's, you know, like an average person, but he he just has to be a leader. Like, you might call that a situational leader, like he is in the, in the elf kingdom, right? That, um, He's not normally the leader of the group. That's Thorin, right? But in s- this situation and also with the spiders, he had to be the leader. <clears throat> the situation required his leadership. And again, you'll find this in some uh, really, you know, high-level military units where they, of course, they have their official leader, the officers, but they also realize and they train and they and they know that in different situations, uh, anybody might, need to be a leader right that every member of the team needs to be able to become a leader when necessary and that so that's exactly right good point point. and it's normal to feel doubts and all that but you just got to do it anyway Okay, so uh, some people ask about courses again. Uh, I'm just going to do a show next week about that. So I'll just answer all the questions about my courses and VIP and other ones too, if you want. Hazma says, uh, I like Gandalf. Uh, he's not selfish, he pushes Bilbo in a direct way to be a hero. Yeah, and to face difficulty, Gandalf can see it in him. Yeah, right. And see, that's great. And this is what you know. This is what you want in a great teacher, or a great, uh, or a great parent, or a great coach, is they see something good in you, something great in you, and then even if you don't see it yourself, and then they help it to come out, to pull it, pull it out of you, right? And that's what Gandalf does with Bilbo. He sees something in Bilbo that's special. That he's, and uh, and then little by little he helps it to come out and the final step of helping it come out is he has to leave so that Bilbo has to face things alone okay a couple more and then time to go Okay, let's see. Stefan, oh, thank you for the uh, super chat. Very nice, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, Vladimir Medvedev says, it's interesting thing is that we value only what we get by struggling, and we don't appreciate what we get easily. Typically, right. That's right. Typically. Or even like if someone just gives you something for free. Uh, you know, it just seems to be human nature that we value that less, appreciate it less, than something we have worked for and struggled for. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit like, it's even like, I was just thinking about this with the uh, seasons. Like, I, I don't like winter at all. I mean, even Osaka, the winters are not so bad, but just the, it's dark and it's cold and, you know. and But, But I will say (laughs) that because of that, after three months of winter, that I really, really, really appreciate the sun and the spring and the flowers, right? Much more (laughs) after getting through the winter. And now suddenly the flowers are coming out and it's getting warmer weather. And I guess I really appreciate it. Very, very grateful for it. So, this, yeah, things... We appreciate things after we have a tough time or when we struggle or when we work hard. It does, it makes them more special. Mm Mm-hmm. Will I do the movie club tomorrow? I'm not sure. We'll see. I hope so. I got to get back to doing that movie. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah makes a good point too before this tough situation if we imagine uh, the situation we maybe we think we can't handle it but now we're stronger we do and this is a good point right that so you can imagine we could imagine back to the beginning of the story Bilbo like if Bilbo imagined a giant spiders attacking him he would have been terrified right he at that time he would not have thought, he could fight them he he never would have imagined that he could save the dwarves from you know giant hundreds of giant spiders right at that time he just he didn't he just there's no way but now he has actually done it he faced it and he did it and and this is often the case i think is that um, you know when bad you know we're in a moment and we're in our normal life and we imagine something in the future that's terrible, and we think, "Oh, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle like you know maybe the situation now, or the big economic disasters that are coming, or that are here." And uh, maybe you know in the past thing, "Oh, there's no way I could handle that," and so afraid. But then when it actually hits, when it actually happens, you find actually you can handle it. You can. You become more heroic. You, be, you, you, be, you make decisions. You see opportunities and you do what you need to do and that you often will surprise yourself and you realize, oh, actually, yeah, I can handle this. I can handle it. Carol says Bilbo's mind is formatted by his culture and education, right? He believes hobbits don't have adventures, right? Cuz most they, they don't usually. Only when he's released from all his ties his true self can emerge. Yeah, good point. He has to let go of his his, you know, Tony Robbins calls these limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs. So he has to uh let go of his old beliefs about oh I I, hobbits don't do adventures I'm not an adventurer right so let go of all those kind of negative beliefs just let them go and then he becomes someone quite different yeah and like Asma says every time everything at first will feel hard but then facing it several times we learn to deal with it good point right and this is the other thing we've seen right because now he's going through difficulty 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 this whole journey is just again and again and again and again right every one or two chapters it's, an, it's another problem another difficulty um and so right he's he's getting used to it now like in the beginning oh he just complained constantly and was afraid you know even terrified and now it's like he's gotten used to it, right? Now he's, something's changed in him and maybe he still doesn't like it, but he's, he's pretty confident about dealing with it. It's become normal for him. Yeah, like Sugar Shock says he had to be prodded out of his comfort zone, out of his um, uh, comfortable environment. Indeed. Okay, I think that is it for today. So that is our book club. I hope you enjoyed it. That's chapters, uh, like I said, eight and nine. We'll continue to do two chapters each week now. Okay, so we can go a little bit, uh, a little bit quicker, more, a little more, more quickly, and uh, we still have a few more weeks to finish the book. We're getting now to, you know, the kind of the journey is almost finished for Bilbo, meaning the journey to the destination, they have almost arrived. The big adventure, the big big, 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 big danger of the dragon is coming, right? smog, the dragon, the mountain. They have almost arrived there. But now he's ready. Now he's ready. Alright then. That is it as I said uh, next week I will do a show about my VIP program and other you can ask questions about other uh, courses as well if you want to so until then join my VIP program commit to my VIP program at effortlessenglishclub.com effortlessenglishclub.com lots of love and I'll see you next time